Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 235, and we're talking about becoming Spanish residents in Acarina. Which is what we've been doing this week. Yeah, so if you've listened to the last podcast or two, you'd know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this week has been good fun. We've had a friend and fellow blogger, Dave Dean, come and stay with us for the last few days. So we've been out and about exploring with him and eating some really good food. Yeah, we started off by having tapas in our favorite tapas bar, La Bombilla. And we also went out for pulpo and, yeah, coffee, snacks, bits and pieces. You know how it is. Yeah, it has been good uh, this week we're talking all about Acarunia, so we may as well move on and uh, crank into it, eh? I think that's a good idea. Very good. Well, remember if you are travelling over the next uh, little while, and by that I mean the rest of your life, we'd really <laughs> appreciate if you would uh, book your accommodation through us at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash accommodation. At the moment, like right this week, Hostel Bookers is having a massive sale. They've got 500 beds available uh, throughout 10 cities around the world that are selling for just 30 cents. Which is not very much. That's not very much at all. Um, if you want to book those, visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash Hostel Bookers. That'll drop you on their homepage and we'll get a small commission. Uh, from a very, very small them. commission in that case. <laughs> if yeah. you buy it for 30 cents, we'll get yeah, so not, not please buy all 500 beds of the <laughs> audience uh, for 30 cents each, and we'll be able to have a cup of coffee, and, uh, and our audience will have the cheapest beds in the world. That'd be brilliant. That yeah, you be. have to go at a certain time of day, I think it's 4pm, Yeah, because yeah. that's when they become available, and of course everyone's going to be waiting with, you know, <laughs> bated breath yes, that's right. <laughs> for them to become available. So go to, go to intertravelpodcast.com slash hostbookers. And check out what that time actually is in your time zone. Good plan, good plan. Well, on to Akarunia. And Akarunia is um, only averagely served by hostels. In fact, there's no kind of traditional dorm bed hostels nope. at all. But there is some okay budget accommodation that we've seen around the place. Yeah, I had a look at hostel workers just before. And they had, I think, seven, seven places available. Mostly around 20 euros per person for a double room. So I had a look on Booking.com, and it's about the same price. It's a bit cheaper for a single because um, hostel bookers didn't really have that much in the way of singles. So if you're a single, Booking.com has cheaper deals sometimes. So it's worth worth looking around. And, uh, yeah, they had 20 euro for a single, sometimes 30 euros for a double. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. And that's kind of fair prices for up here in the northwest of Very Spain. good. That's, um, that's what we were paying on the on the Camino, yeah, 15 euros each. That's true, that's true. Yeah, it's it's strange how like Barcelona, Madrid, these big cities are quite expensive, even when it comes to budget accommodation. But up here in the north, um, things are cheaper. It, it really is the, the cheap part of Spain. Yeah. I mean, of course, you can pay as much as you want to for accommodation. <laughs> yes, yes. We didn't pay anything because we were couch surfing when we first arrived, and that was definitely the way to go. I'd recommend it. We arrived and we were picked up at the station by our couch surfing host, who then took us for a tour around the city. And it was magic. We really got a good idea of what the city is like and got to meet someone who knew what they were talking about instead of being <laughs> yeah. stuck in a hotel. Absolutely. Yeah. So links to all of those things, hostel bookers, couch surfing and booking.com are at indietravelpodcast.com slash accommodation. So Acarunia is located in the northwest of Spain. You might know where Santiago de Compostela is because that's the the end of the Caminos de Santiago. It's, what, about 
40 minutes train ride straight north from there. It's on the coast and it's pretty close to the corner of Spain. It's on the northern coast, but it's, you know, it's kind of near the edge where the, the square of Spain goes off into the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and yeah, so it's in Galicia, which means that you will hear not only Spanish spoken, but also Galician, which is a language that is pretty much smack dab halfway between Spanish and Portuguese. The first time we heard it, we thought it was Portuguese, but it, but it isn't. No, but um, a lot of the verbs are similar. So mm. if you've learned a bit of Spanish and a bit of Portuguese, you'll be able to understand everything. Yeah. <laughs> Galicia really interests me. It's a really interesting place because of its Celtic connections and, and Celtic heritage. Uh, there's bagpipes, there's connections with Scotland, Ireland, Wales, um, much, well, not much more, but as well as their connection with Spanish culture. Mm -hmm. So you'll find people are uh, a little bit more, a little bit more closed, a little bit more cautious than their, their southern cousins. And, um, but then after you get to know them, they're, they're so warm and welcoming. And that dynamic and the, what seems to be the community and family dynamic here really reminds me of Scotland and, uh, and my family up there. It's quite strange, isn't it? Because I love the Spanish culture, the, the crazy, gregarious, outgoing, we love you kind of thing. Yeah. And Craig's a little bit more reserved. So this is a happy medium. It's not, <laughs> it's not as close as New Zealand culture. I mean, New Zealanders are friendly. But to become friends with us, you have to do a bit of work. You know, it can be a bit difficult to get into our circles. And I think Galicians are a bit like that as well. They're very nice and friendly, but they're just a step back. They're not going to give you a huge hug on first meeting like uh, some of their, their southern cousins might. Mm, that's true. That's true. Uh, well, how do you get here? There is uh, Akaruni Airport, and the bus is just 20 minutes away from the town centre and costs less than two euros. It's one forty um, or something like yeah, that. It's really cheap to, to go there or go back. Uh, so that's excellent. Uh, there are flights from throughout Europe, but um, the best or the most useful connection for most people will probably be the one that goes from uh, London Heathrow straight here. Yeah, so and most of the other flights actually come from Spain. So you might arrive in La Coruña Airport, but you'd have to do a stopover in Madrid, for example. Mm. Yeah, during summer, which is the, the high tourist time here because of the, the wonderful beaches and ports, they put on other flights from around Europe. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, at the moment, I think the only international flight's running out of Heathrow, yep. which is good. It actually can be a really cheap way to get into Spain, um, yeah. although the buses and trains that you take to go wherever you want after that will obviously add up. Um, but yeah, I paid 70 euros, including all taxes, for a, a flight up to London and then the same again to get back again. It's not bad. So it's a, it's a cheap way to, to get down to the continent. If you can't find an appropriate flight into Acruña, you can also fly into Santiago de Compostela, which is, as we said, about 40 minutes train ride away. Um, it receives a lot, a lot of international flights, mm. which is strange because it's a much smaller city, <laughs> but it is quite a popular tourist destination. You get from the airport in Santiago, there's a bus that costs about two euros or three euros that'll take you into the city, and from there you can catch the train up to Acruña. And that's about another seven euros, so... Five four, euros. Five euros for the train? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So it's under ten euros from, from airport to the, the centre of town here. Yeah. Very good. Well, what is it like in Acruña? Acruña is lovely. I really like it. It's shaped like a T, and um, the... The old town is kind of at one end of the crossbar of the T, and at the other end of the crossbar is an old lighthouse, a Roman lighthouse. It doesn't look Roman because it was remodeled in the 17th century. 
but uh, it's it's still Roman and <laughs> it definitely looks like a 17th century lighthouse. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does, and it's still functioning. So it's the oldest, well, it's the only functioning Roman lighthouse in the world, which is not surprising that, that, because it <laughs> it isn't it really. Doesn't yeah. Um, yes, that's that constantly blows my mind. That's right. Yeah. So you've got the mainland, you've got this T-shaped peninsula, um, and in the the middle bar, kind of the the downstroke of the T, is where the commercial centre is. So that's where the the shops and the best restaurants and everything like that are. Luckily, the apartment that we've found is smack bang in the, the cross of the T. Yeah, So we're perfect. five minutes away from the kilometres long white sand beaches on one side, uh, five minutes away from the old town and the port, and five minutes away from the restaurants and the kind of boutique interesting shops. It's brilliant, it's brilliant. And of course, if you... Follow down the downstroke, you'll get into more residential areas, more industrial areas. There's shopping centres the further out you go. But the further out you go, the more likely you are to have to catch a bus or a taxi or a train or something. Mm. The train station is actually further down the downstroke. It's not on the peninsula. So to get into the main part of town, you'd either need to walk for about half an hour or catch a bus. Yeah. I went to uh, catch a bus out to the train station the other day to pick up Dave, and by the time I waited for the train, uh, waited for the bus to come and got on the bus, it took about forty-five minutes, and I figured that I would have been out of breath a bit quicker. To, yeah, the to locals walk. say that it's not really worth catching the bus if you've got any energy at all because it'll take the same amount of time. <laughs> it's they're so, not very keen on the public transport here. They they say it's it's not the best. I mean, yeah. there is a good network, but it just doesn't run very regularly. Yeah, it reminds me of Auckland in that way. Yeah. And once again, this is a small seaside city. There's only about half a million people living here, I think. Quarter of a million. Quarter of a million? Mm-hmm. Is that all? Yeah. Wow. That's gone down since I last book. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it's, it's very comfortable. It's very relaxed. Um, but you don't get, well, rapidly running public service. And you don't get um, kind of a concentration of of high-value brands or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's all a lot more chilled. Yep. Well, we are in Spain after all. Spain is quite chilled. So one thing that you'll notice if you're in Spain is that things shut during the day. So things will open around 9 or 10 o'clock. They'll be open until about 2. They'll close until about 5 or 6, depending on what time they want to open again. And then they'll be open for the evening as well. Some supermarkets are open all the way through. Gaddis is usually, it's a Galician supermarket chain. It's usually open all day, which is great, because I always forget. <laughs> you go out about three o'clock, and you'll be walking down the street, and everything is closed with the, the roller doors down. And you're like, oh my goodness, it's a ghost town. And you remember, it's three o'clock. Everyone's at home. So we ended up here kind of by accident, and that's a way that we make a lot of our travel plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done it for, for Malta, for Perth. And now for here, it's kind of like, we want to stop somewhere for a while. Where are we going to stop? No one I've ever talked to has been here. Let's go there. (laughs) Okay, good. That's definitely what we did for Malta. At least with Perth, we did know some people. And here in Akarunia, we knew some people as well, which I think was a major factor. My language exchange partner, Oliva, lives here. And uh, I'd never, never heard of it before. And I looked on the map and I'm quite close to Santiago. And we were planning on walking the Camino to Santiago. We weren't sure exactly where we were going going to go after walking the Camino. We were thinking about the south, and then Craig was like, oh, but I really want to do some surfing, and I don't know, it's going to be too hot. And I said, well, what about Acarina? Leva lives there. He said, oh, yeah. And so we decided to go without knowing anything at all. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. we've been talking about moving to Akaronia for about a month with our close friends. And going, yep, that's 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 the plan. Um, before I even looked up its Wikipedia entry <laughs> <laughs> to actually find out what the place was like. So um, yeah, so we we made the decision to to come and then started planning to arrive here and then started actually looking at what the place was like. Well, we were kind of planning on visiting anyway so that I could meet Oliva. And we just kind of extended that. And it definitely has worked out well. We've fallen on our feet. Although, some of the bureaucracy around being able to stay here is quite spectacular. Yeah, I think we'll finish this podcast off with talking about how to get residency in Spain, (laughs) even though it could be a... uh, a, a tome all of its own. I think so. <laughs> You've put out the Encyclopedia Britannica of um, what paperwork you need to become a resident. But um, first of all, let's talk about some of the things that we've done so far. And then maybe in three months or four months when we're looking to leave, we can revisit it and, you know, talk about the highlights. Yeah. Well, I suppose people come to Acarunia for its beaches, really beautiful beaches. And they've just had the... Um, the tractors down on the beach kind of rearranging the sand and digging out the uh, the poles so that you can actually hold on as you go down the steps and the, and the showers and things. And there's a beautiful beach. Actually, there's lots of beaches in Akarunia. So we've spent a lot of time walking on the beach. The weather hasn't been perfect. It's been quite cold. It's quite windy here, actually, mm. which is why Akarunia has an interesting architectural style composed of um, kind of galleries. They're like closed in balconies. And it's really stunning. It looks amazing. It keeps the wind out. <laughs> yeah. I've, I can't remember exactly when, but it was a few hundred years ago. The place was called the, the City of Crystal mm-hmm. um, because of the amount of glass they put in. It was very unusual. Um, but because it has one of the biggest ports in Europe, it had money, and they were able to, to import and create these big glass plates and put them up mm-hmm. all along the... Uh, the houses. Yeah. So oh, they're, I suppose they're quite small ones because you've got the um, the window panes. Yeah, yeah. They're quite small panes, but they just look but, really but awesome. They're, but they're big walls. The walls of them, of yeah. Panes. That's right. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's interesting seeing that. And, yeah, it goes to show how prosperous it was when shipping was the, the number one thing. I mean, mm-hmm. It's still a prosperous town, but shipping, I mean, it's still a huge port, but yeah. it's, it's not what it was. Dealing more with cruise ships than, than cargo, I think, now. So yeah, we've done a lot of walking along the beach. We're hoping the weather will improve, but we we're in the north the of beach. we're in the north of Spain, where things are a lot colder. I mean, we're still wearing a jumper every day. It's definitely not as warm as the rest of Spain. In the north, yeah, it's still kind of spring temperatures. Whereas in the south, well, one of our friends posted a picture on of, on Facebook of a thermometer measuring forty five degrees recently. I think it's generally around twenty five to thirty. But yeah, I'm yeah, quite glad not to be there. We're <laughs> kind of fifteen to twenty at the moment, but it's definitely on the way up. Yeah. yeah, so there's lots of nice walks. There's the beaches, the Paseo Maritimo, which is a, a walk around from the old town to the Tower of Hercules and, and then back in that direction again. Um, and there's also the Park San Pedro, Monte San Pedro, which is up um, on one side of, of the big city bay. And it's really cool to go up there yeah. and get these panoramic 360-degree views along the Atlantic coastline towards the city, towards the port, and, yeah, just stunning views. It was brilliant. Yoli took us up there when she first picked us up from the train station, and it gave us a good idea of how the town was laid out. And we went up there yesterday with Dave, 
it was quite different to see it knowing what everything was. Like, yeah, that's the Domus, and there's the tower, and our house is over there, and look, there's a Levis place. And it was cool. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, well, about museums and, and things to do, there is a lot of them, um, especially considering how small the city is, the, yeah. the amount of money they must have spent on architecture and these art collections and museums is significant. It's and brilliant. it really pays off. It makes the place beautiful. And a lot um, of them are free to enter, which is mm. great. And those that aren't free are mostly two euros, except for the aquarium, which is 10. So yeah. you're not looking at very expensive entry fees either. Yeah. Um, the aquarium I really quite enjoyed. It's quite a small aquarium um, with a large educational center. But the thing that makes it stand out is a room they call the Nautilus, which is based on the idea of Jules Verne's 20,000 uh, 20, Leagues Under the Sea. And the, the ship in that was called the Nautilus. Mm -hmm. So you can go down, down, down these stairs, uh, which have kind of a submarine-y feel to them. Mm -hmm. And then you're in this room which has a 360-degree fish tank. So on you're every, inside. every wall all around you are the large collection of fish swimming around. And some of them are, you know, a, a metre, a metre and a half long. There's some big, big fish in there, lots of space. And then there's old kind of Victorian luggage and leather chairs and it's a lovely. walnut desk. And, you know, it's got this feeling of being in the stateroom or the mm -hmm. office of uh, of this kind of steampunk mm -hmm. um, ship. So, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I like the seals. Once you come out of the Nautilus, you can go outside and the, the seals have this huge enclosure that's right next to the water. So actual seawater comes in and it... You know, the seals can't get out, but the water can get in. It's right on the edge of the sea. And, yeah, the seals always look like they're having such a great time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the Museo de Bellas Artes, the fine art museum, has a, an interesting collection of local Galician, Spanish, and European art. Mm -hmm. um, some from the masters, like Monet, um, and some lesser-known stuff. There was a really good Baroque... Uh, Baroque photography isn't quite right, but <laughs> a photography exhibition of Baroque architecture, um, especially based around churches and, and cathedrals, and some great photos. So the temporary exhibits are, are worth going in to see as well. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed the Domus, which is the Museum of Man. Well, humans, I suppose. And it's all, it's all interactive. You can weigh yourself and measure yourself, see how tall you are, measure your blood pressure, uh, hang from things and see how long you can hang and, and throw things and see how good your accuracy is. It's, it's fun, it's fun. And there's exhibits with smell and touch and taste and all sorts of things. And there's a 3D cinema, so you can buy a ticket. I think that's two euros as well to go in and uh, watch a 3D movie. The one I saw was all about animals in Africa. I've really enjoyed the food here as well. Uh, Galicia is famous for its seafood and especially um, octopus mussels and other kind of mollusky things rather than uh, rather than fish itself. But you can definitely get fish itself if you oh, want yeah. to. Yeah, and we've had fish in, in the menu Zeldia. One thing that is quite common to do in Spain is go out for lunch for a meal. And you can get a menu Zeldia, which is an entree main and dessert or coffee for less than 10 euros usually. I mean, the prices go up to about 20, but generally they're yeah. 9 or 10 euros. The, the, the 9 to 12 Euro ones are normally a very good, um, very good value for money. The ones that are down around seven or eight are sometimes on the the skanky side. It's yeah. worth paying that extra euro or two to uh, to get really good food at a really good price. 
and then you you have a light meal or some tapas or pinchos um, in the evening around I don't know after ten o'clock. Yeah, we've definitely been changing our eating style. We'll have a light breakfast, a large lunch, a merienda, like a snack around four o'clock, and then dinner at nine. And that seems to be working for us. Yeah, very well. One of the uh, places we went just yesterday actually was to a pulperia, an octopus restaurant. And uh, it was on Plaza España and it was freaking delicious. It was that very, was, very good. We've had uh, quite a lot of Galician style octopus, which is uh, octopus which is boiled and then chopped up into little... Uh, fork-sized pieces. Yeah, they look like coins. <laughs> yeah, they're, they, they take, a of, take a pair of scissors and just cut up the tentacle until there's there's no tentacle left. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and then they drizzle it with um, extra virgin olive oil and paprika. And the stuff, free, had, stuff we had yesterday in the Plaza Espana at the Pulperia was the best. It was fantastic. Another thing that's definitely worth doing is going out for tapas, and there's lots of places you can get tapas. The most famous one is uh, La Bombilla, which is in the centre city, and it's right in the middle of everything. It's always packed, so you kind of have to fight your way to the counter, <laughs> order, yes. and they've always got the tapas available. Uh, they've always got tortilla española, which is an omelette, and usually they've got empanadas, things like um, milanesa, sometimes they've got mm. chorizo. They, they do a very cool thing, which is a couple of bits of milanesa, which is a thin Wiener schnitzel. More or less. Um, and then they put that with a couple of fried potato rings and then a, um, a bit of red pepper. So you've, it's all on a toothpick. You're <laughs> trying to jam the thing into your mouth. And also um, one, one euro each, which yeah. is just so cheap. So a lot of people go there and, and fill up and then they'll go out to other bars and have a glass of wine and just something more light to, to pick at. Yeah, because you're mostly eating up, eating standing up when you go there yeah. on the street. Because there's just no space. Yeah. No space inside, and yeah, that entire corner of the, the road just gets blocked up. Hilarious. Well, we're low on time, so I guess we'll talk about how to become a Spanish resident um, another time and, and have a look either maybe in an article or a podcast about how to how to go about that, because it's certainly a, a long process, and we're already 20 or so minutes into the show. Yeah, I think the most important thing about becoming a Spanish resident is getting to Spain and immersing in the culture. <laughs> sure, there's lots of paperwork that's associated with it. You know, you don't really want to think about that right now, do you? Just... <laughs> yeah, we, we just ignore that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. Let's spend three is... hours a day waiting in lines and talking to people about pieces of paper. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we try to block that out. Yeah, we, we're enjoying the food and the beach and the museums a lot more than all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's kind of a necessary <laughs> evil. <laughs> well, I guess Acarunia's... Uh, a beautiful place to come. It's more interesting than you'd expect just looking at the demographics. And uh, it's an unusual but really worthwhile destination, I think. I think so. Don't forget that you can help the Indie Travel Podcast stay traveling by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash flights slash hostels slash tours and slash insurance when you're booking your travel online. And don't forget the travel deals, which are updating every day at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash deals. Before we go, I don't want to forget about um, a new blog that we've started up at visitacarunia.indietravelblogs.com. And that is going to be kind of, it's not going to be a narrative blog. It's going to be about things to do, places to eat, things to see, where to stay as we go along. So it's going to be more of a, a review and activity style of 
style of blog. Um, We were looking for information on Acarina, not very seriously, because we were going to come here anyway. (laughs) Basically, Wikipedia, she'll be right. But there wasn't very much in English. There was a little bit in Spanish. There's a lot. It's a very popular destination for uh, for Portuguese and and Spanish travellers come here for summer, for their summer break. But uh, yeah, not very much in English. So we're going to do what we can to, to write that over the next couple of months while we're here. And uh, that website, IndieTravelBlogs.com, is a new thing that we're putting together. It's in private beta right now, but if you're thinking about getting a travel blog, then come to IndieTravelBlogs.com, and if you still need a beta invite whenever you're listening to this and going to have a visit, uh, just flick us an email at uh, mail at IndieTravelPodcast.com, because we're after a couple more testers. Yeah, you should definitely do it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the place to have your travel blog. Definitely. Definitely. We've also got a library of books to share at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books, uh, books to help you travel more and travel well, and uh, we've got more on the way. Uh, at the moment, we're really after some Amazon.com reviews for our travel safety book, so if you're one of the many, many people that have picked that up, then please uh, drop by Amazon.com and leave us a good review. If you haven't seen it yet, then um, IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books and uh, save yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Not save yourself money, no, save yourself from terrors and problems and all of that kind of thing. That's right. And inconvenient problems with taxi drivers. Buy this book so you can tell your mum you've looked into travel safety. (laughs) Yeah, that's all. Or if you are a mum, buy it to make make yourself feel better about your kid going travelling. (laughs) Oh, well. There's some non-monetary ways of helping us out. Tell your friends about the Indie Travel podcast. Uh, Invite them to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Indie Travel. And we'd love a five-star review in iTunes. So if you're over that way, that would be wonderful. Awesome. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.